Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For, Lord, you are our strength and our blessed Redeemer. We offer up this prayer in your son Jesus' name. Together we pray and say amen. You may be seated. It is not printed in the bulletin, not because Bruce made a mistake. Um, I did not submit it, um, the title of today's sermon. So if I had to tag the sermon with a title, it would simply be, The Light Always Shows. Traditionally, on Epiphany Sunday, or Three Kings Day, as Christians, we celebrate the revelation of God incarnate through Jesus Christ. As a feast day, it celebrates the visit, the visit of the Magi to the Christ child. More often than not, themes of light and wonder are incorporated into the liturgical life of the church. It is the Sunday in which the representations of light take on more significance. It is the end of the 12 days of Christmas, the lighting of candles, the mentioning of the star in the east, in the prayers and in the sermon, even astronomically. By January 6th, most of us can even notice that the length of days has begun its steady increase towards summer solstice, a time when we all eagerly awaited not being dark by 5 o'clock p.m. But if I can be honest, it's easy to turn toward the light and question it and interrogate it. The light always provides us textures and sensibilities that make it easy to look at and examine. The light always illuminates contrasts and comparisons that are well suited for our human understanding. So on this Epiphany Sunday, I have to be honest, I'm more interested in the darkness. For starters, darkness precedes light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. There had to be an utterance of light to be in order for it to be. That is to say from the beginning, God was in the darkness before God was in the light. Again, in Exodus 20, as Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments, your Bible reads that so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew, the, drew near the thick darkness where God was. Here we see again, God inhabits the darkness. Moses reminding the people of Israel, sermonizing on the plain of Moab, that yet again the voice of God speaks from the darkness of the mountain throughout Deuteronomy chapters 4 and 5. All throughout the writings, we see the contrapuntal nature of God back and forth between the darkness and the light. Throughout the vast majority of Job, before God speaks out of the whirlwind, Job situates himself in the darkness with God. He has no other option but to interrogate the darkness. And in many of the Psalms, the nature of night and the nature of darkness rise to the surface percolating like a perfect metaphor to describe human existence. The psalmist in Psalm 139 reminds us of God's relationship to darkness. 
Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. So before the restorative and revelatory words of Trito Isaiah, we have to remember that and understand that many of the words of the Hebrew Bible Old Testament were written under or take place during some form of oppression by an outside political, social, or theological force. First it was Egyptian, then Babylonian, and then Assyrian. For this tiny nation of Israel, nomadic and exilic, for much of their time doing this, they only knew God in the darkness. It was in the darkness of wandering for 40 years, in the darkness of fighting other nations, states, and tribes in the Transjordan region, and most certainly in the darkness of exile that the Israelites encountered, met, and formed a relationship with the one true God, Jehovah. For the psalmist laments, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Yet despite the, want the wilderness wanderings, yet despite the exile, God was still present in the darkness. When Jeremiah was lowered to the bottom of an empty cistern and left for dead in the midst of the darkness, God was still present. Many arrive at church under a dark canopy, hoping and praying for God to just see you in your dark corner, hidden in the shadows. I stop by to tell you that God sees you. God sees you sitting in a hospital room be it yourself or sitting beside the bedside of a loved one. God sees you in the hidden places of your mind, in the dark hole that only you know about. I stop by to tell you that, believe it or not, God does not need the light in order to see you. There's a reason why so much of the biblical record takes a bias toward the light. That reason, I surmise, is because so much of our daily and weekly human experiences with God are in the darkness. Those moments when you've had to live life on life's terms, and suddenly your faith didn't feel as secure as you thought it was. Those were undoubtedly moments in darkness when a loved one dies and the waves of grief, anger, and regret wash over you like a dark cloud when the diagnosis comes back positive for cancerous growth, or it's in operable stage four. It's when the walls begin to close in on you and the light begins to fade to black. And it's in that blackness that you stretch forth your hand, groping for something, anything, and suddenly you feel God's hand reaching back to you. God does not need the light in order to see you. And if I can be so bold as to declare that it takes more faith to walk with God in the darkness than in the light. If we believe the words of the holy text that says we walk by faith and not by sight. We know that our faith gets activated when darkness falls all around us. I felt compelled to take this theologically prophetic approach this morning because far too often we preach sermons and teach Sunday school lessons where the onus is on the individual to make the move toward 
the light. And while, yes, there's nothing technically wrong with that approach. In fact, the Bible does say that it takes a confession by your mouth. But for those racked with depression and besieged by guilt, sometimes you just want the reassurance that someone still sees you, that God still sees you and knows that you are there. Nevertheless, God's mercies are new each and every morning. Eugene Peterson's translation of Isaiah's words read, Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. The whole earth is wrapped in darkness. All people are sunk in deep darkness. But God rises on you. His sunrise glory breaks over you. Somehow... At some point, eventually, morning always comes. The psalmist writes that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning light. A closer look at that reminds us that weeping may endure. That's if you so choose to cry throughout the night. Why fret and why fear? If God is with you, the light inevitably shows up. Sooner or later, and maybe even right on time, the light arrives on the scene. Isaiah reminds us, especially in the way that Peterson turns the phrase, that the light of God does two things. Number one, God's bright glory has risen just for you, and the light breaks over you. That is to say, God uniquely cares for you. God uniquely cares for humanity. As we take the prophet Isaiah's words, God's bright glory is the brilliant radiance of God with us, Emmanuel, the ultimate revelation of God to humanity. You know, very few living creatures exist in total darkness for the entirety of their life and still somehow live. The few living things that do are the primordial micro creatures that exist in the anaerobic depths of the ocean floor. And suffice it to say, human beings are not in that number. Thus, we need lights. We need to see light. The good news, the gospel, the message is that God is still here with you in the darkness and in the light. The totality of God's light covers you regardless. So for those still existing and living in the darkness, be not dismayed, whatever betides you. God cares for you and God is still with you. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. For on this first Sunday of the year 2019, as the early rays of light unfurl the darkness, the revelation of God through Jesus testifies to us that eventually the light always shows. Amen.